Mark, can you hear me? Yeah, what up? Nice. Ladies and gents, this is MG Podcast. I want to say thanks to everybody that's been supporting season one all the way all the way through season six. And by the time you guys hear this episode, ladies and gents, this will be season six, episode seven. Man, this not Hello? Yes, man. Hey. Nice. And um, ladies and gents, this next gentleman right here, man, I'm so proud to have him on the show today. Um I, I had a chance to see the vision from the be- from the beginning, and when I first met him, he was he was already a dope videographer directing music videos from everybody in my hood, and I saw him uh, become this producer that I got involved in his projects, Heaven's Gate mixtapes, put me on mashups, put me on the 16 bar challenge. So I've been making records with him since about 2010, 2011. And as the years went by, I got a chance to see him transition to becoming a full-fledged MC, a touring artist, and on a consistent basis too. And I think one of the most underrated things about this artist is that he juggles all hats. He, he juggles three different hats very well. And on top of that, running his own music label, DMT. And for all those who are in um, digital platforms, if you have streaming platforms right now, you guys gotta check out his catalog. We're gonna start with Back From The Top, his album with Poplog, Haikus, Lighting Trees, Some Bats In Korea, Time, Opioids, Good Ending, and Painting Beats, and numerous amount of singles right now on all digital platforms. On top of that, he has a new music video out with Crooked One and XP The Marksman called Alfred Slash Legacy. And ladies and gents, without no further ado, man, we got Mark Ford in the house. What's up, Mark? What's good? What's good, Marlon? Good to hear from you, man. Good to, good to uh, build with you again. Definitely, um, definitely. Mark, I ask all my guests, where were you born and raised? Born in, I mean, technically, if we being technical, I was born in Harbor City, California. Uh, but all my whole life, pretty much, you know, raised in Oxnard. Mm. Do you know the story on how your family migrated from Harbor City to the Ox? Or, like, your mom and dad's side of the family? Do you know so the story my mom- behind it? My mom's originally from Iowa. She moved out to California for like school and shit. My dad's from Oakland. But uh, when he was like a kid, it was something like he had like some form of pneumonia or something and it was colder up there. So they uh, they placed him with like a, not wasn't a family member at the time, but it was more or less like a, a friend of the family. And he stayed down there with them and they became family. You know, that's pretty much like what he uses his parents, you know, not as biological, but those are his, like real parents, the people that raised them in LA. And uh, yeah, pretty much uh, raised over on, uh, I think, 53rd, like Crenshaw area, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how old, how old were you when you moved to the Axe? Yeah, I was uh, like, ha- like uh, half a year, I guess. <laughs> Born and raised, man. Um, looking back, how can you describe growing up in Oxnard in, in the early 90s, mid-90s, early 90s? Do you remember? Um, Yeah, it was just like, it was, you know what I'm saying? I was a kid, so like I just remember it being more, just a lot of fields. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was a lot of unbuilt shit, but I remember like the neighborhood-wise, it was like, you know, it was the 80s, so people were more open but you know I did see my fair share of like gang shit early on like you know where I was living at the time was over there on Diamond Bar so there was a lot of little boys over there so 
see a lot of gang fights and and crazy stuff early on that I didn't you know view much of until I started hearing uh you know like um, Dr. Dre and and Snoop you know um just a lot of that shit coming out at the time you know I started to put two and two together and realize what I was seeing in front of me what was like your earliest recollections of hip hop was it a song that you heard a music video that you saw oh I remember uh, I remember like the Humpty Dance and uh, trying to think there's so much more you know like uh, paid in full my brother was a big huge hip hop head at the time like he had a whole couple drawers full of just tapes and shit and you know I would hear them every now and then but my mom kind of sheltered me from that shit like early on my brother was running wild and shit but you know probably uh, you know um, like when Snoop first came out you know with that whole deep cover shit you know that shit was hard yeah. and that's what I, I remember I like I kind of fell in love with it right then and there and then uh, the the Ghetto Boy song, Mind Playing Tricks on Me, like, I love that shit as a kid. Yeah. The video was dope, too. Who would just say, like, the first solo MC that really affected you? Like, oh, shit. I want to, like, the first favorite solo rapper that you saw that you're like, oh, man, this changed my life. I'm going to be honest, bro. Like, I never really thought I'd be rapping or producing or anything, so... All of them were dope to me. Like everybody I just said, you know, from the Rakims to Big Daddy Kane's to like Tupac to 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 Snoop. Like all of them were impactful. You know, I didn't I didn't really have like a upbringing in hip hop, like where I was educated on it. If that makes sense, I just heard music and I liked what I like at the time. You know, there was a period. When my brother had left, you know, we 10 years apart where he had left. And then I was kind of, you know, like I said, I, I was exposed to all this hip hop where I was shut off from hip hop at that point because, you know, my mom's kind of sheltered me and shit. And, you know, it wasn't until like, like middle school that I kind of fell back in love with it, you know. Nice. Um, so you graduate high school, Mark. And your plan, what was your plan after high school? Or what did you have in mind? Like, you know what, I'm gonna do this. Or what actually ended up happening? So I wanted to be I wanted to be a, a pro skateboarder. <laughs> like yeah. in junior high, I kind of fell in love with skate, the whole skateboarding culture. It's not just like skateboarding and doing tricks, but just um, having homies, um, the positive energy of just cheering people on, just getting better at something. It was like a counterculture at the time. I think it's more popular now, but it was like just, you know, it was more on the rebellious tip. And then yeah. from skateboarding, I kind of fell in love with graffiti. But ever since I was a little kid, I loved art, man. So, yeah. like, if you ask me what I really envision myself doing, I really envision myself being like a concept artist for like a, a big corporation or for yeah. video games, just coming up with characters or ideas. But I wasn't the skilled artist that I wanted to be and I kind of just gave up on it, you know? Do you know, looking back, do you know why I gave up on it? Do you, do you know, like, what made you like, you know what, I'm going to put this down for a while. I'm going to put um, I was, I was into graffiti and, like, you know, the, all that shit was just getting me in trouble, like, getting arrested over and over again, putting my my parents through stress and mm-hmm. I don't know, I just kind of felt I equated art to being, you know, graffiti, but I think more or less than anything, it's what I said. I just didn't feel 
that I would get anywhere with it. I didn't feel like my art was worth anything. You know, like for what I wanted to do with art, like I had such a grand scheme in my mind of what dope was and I couldn't obtain it. So I just, I just put it away. So by the time I met Mark, ladies and gents, in 2010, 2011, not only he was doing music videos, but he was also doing artist interviews and shouts to Crooked One. I would always see Crooked One with him. They would roll up to the shows and, and interview the artist and they interviewed me for the first time around 2011 in Ventura and that's where we started building. So let's fast forward to like your, your videography. Around when did you start getting into shooting videos and putting out video content? So realistically, like I always say that I started, you know, not that long ago, but like realistically looking back on it, you know, like I said, I was in a skateboarding. So I remember my first early camera was, you know, I think I was sophomore year or something like that. And we were trying to like edit videos, but this is all on VHS. So shit was difficult. I knew a couple of homies that edited um, like the homie Jerry Vila, he I think he's like a director for CNN now, which is crazy. Um, the the homie the homie uh, Julian Good, I think he uh, like he has mad Emmys for working with um, with the Dodgers, and I think he's doing like shit for the NFL right now or ESPN, which is really dope. Yeah, I know, it was just crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like I grew up with Anderson Pack too. It was like a bunch of fucking stars out of Oxnard, like just crazy. Yeah, but. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, to be honest, like I said, was into the whole editing aspect of like trying to put together a skate video, you know, but at the time couldn't really figure it out. I think my senior year I was in, uh, uh, forget what they call it. It's like when you do the videos for like the campus or shit. Yeah, 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 the video editing, uh, yeah. Yeah, but there's a, there's a name for it, like the AV class or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, AS ASB or something oh, like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, they like I went to Wyneme and shit, so they used to have this thing called Viking Views. We would put that together. And that's when I kind of actually, that was the first time I actually got to learn how to edit a little bit, but it was like prehistoric editing from the shit that we're doing now because it was still with the, I think it was high eight tapes, you know what I'm saying? But then in college, I actually got into a, to, like I took a TV production class and it was more or less just I needed an elective and you know there was a bunch of lights looking back on it I wish I would have had the mind state that I had now and been serious about it because there was a lot of things that I could have learned because we learned about like color balance and white balance and aperture and ISO but I didn't pay attention to that shit at the time I was just in there drawing graffiti while I was you know getting through my class but that was the first time that I actually got to sit down with Final Cut and I edited like a commercial or something. We shot a commercial and I got to edit it and actually enjoyed it. It was fun, like like piecing shit together. But since that, that was like when I was, uh, that was like 2004, I believe or so. So since 2004 to like 2011, like you said, is when the first time when I kind of got back into it. Mm -hmm. And, and ladies and gents, not only Mark is shooting and editing it, Mark's also directing. He He's the one that's putting the effects and just like the concept and the feel of the video. And that's impressive, man. Um, who was the first artist and you would say you shot, directed and edited and put it out, directed by Mark, Mark Ford? 
think it was myself, man, because when I first got the camera, yeah. it it was a uh, it wasn't like I wanted to do anything with it. It was like okay, I got a camera, I could like do my own videos now. I don't need anybody. But then you know, um, I think I told you this. I kind of looked at it as like a hustle. Like, yeah. oh, I can get money out of this. And, uh, you know, I knew other people that had a camera, too. And I didn't have a good camera at first, but um, I just kind of looked at it as like a hustle. Then I actually got a camera uh, that was pretty good. My boy is the crooked one. He yeah. had a dope camera, too. He told me which camera to get. And it was the same one as one of my directors uh, that was going to shoot my first video. He flaked. So I ended up yeah. getting the same camera that he had. And then uh, the rest is history. The first video I did for somebody else, I think, was the crooked one, just yeah. because that's my boy. You know? No doubt, no doubt. And from there, I saw you so consistent with the videos, and to this day, you know. And um, let's talk about production real quick. So when I met you, you did the 16 bar challenge. That movie, you all spit to your beat. Yeah, that wasn't my beat. Oh, that wasn't your beat. I, I honestly I honestly forget who did that but the reason that we did that is there was a bunch of videos online and I still don't know who started this I think it was like dumbfounded or, or somebody or somebody in his crew but there yeah. was like there was like a Mexican there was like I think dumbfounded did one um, there was like some corny looking white boy but he got off and I was all like, you know what? This looks dope. We should do like an 805 version of it. So yes. I, I, freak, I think uh, I think I, we reached out to Gimmick first and then he got one. And then he got, for whatever reason, he got a lot of hate. He was mad at me for a little bit because he thought like I set him up. But um, I, it was just, <laughs> it, low key it was my fault because I look back on it and I put the title for clickbait. I put um, one rapper calls out 805 artists but I was trying to like you know get clickbait to get people to look but I didn't really think people would hate on it like that but he got a lot of hate and then I think um I think I or our or, uh forget who did the next one I think it was outcome maybe mm -hmm. did the next one and then I did one and then crooked one and then that's the first time I met Enzom then I reached mm -hmm. out to you different people mm -hmm. Shouts to uh, the familiar strangers. Shouts to Enzon. Yeah, I remember that series. Uh, it was it got everybody involved, and from there, I did another record with Mark, which ended up becoming on the Heaven's Gate mixtape, which was the mashup with Quasimodo and MF Doom, right? That yeah, was that, was, that was pretty, that was pretty dope. Yeah, so pretty much to get into my whole production bag, like I said, I didn't think I would be doing hip hop or rap. But essentially, like I had some money from things I was doing at the time. I, did, I had time. So I ended up just getting the computer. And the dude at Guitar Center, forget his name, was a black dude, like a rocker or whatever. He had told me, hey, yo, don't get Fruity Loops, get Pro Tools because you'll be able to record yourself too. At the time, I, I, like, I, I couldn't get it to work and it was difficult. You know, Pro Tools ain't the most user friendly. And YouTube wasn't really popping like that with the tutorials just yet so mm -hmm. I, I thought I had made a mistake that was like 2009 and it took me like a year to actually be able to piece together shit where I could loop it you know what I'm saying um, mm -hmm. 2011 like I just said fuck it and I went out and I got a native instruments machine yeah. Cream had put, 
put me up on game on that. He he was all like, hey, man, I just got a machine. This is crazy. It's a game changer. I just dumped some money into that, and I got it, and been with machine ever since, and I've been making beats, you know? Yeah. Um, how do you, which one do you prefer these days? Making beats or shooting and editing a music video? Which Shit, man. Enjoying um, to be honest, the most purest form of, of like what I enjoy would probably be like, I don't know, man, it's kind of difficult because I really enjoy like editing like videos yeah. nowadays. But at the same time, I really like making beats, man. Um, yeah. What I focus mostly on right now, believe it or not, is kind of the rapping aspect. But yeah, to be honest, like making beats to me is pure. Because like I, I, for a while I was trying to sell beats, but I just felt like I was whoring myself out and it just wasn't for me. And um, when I make something, it's almost like art. So yeah. it's like creating a, like a painting over silence. You know what I'm saying? My boy uh, Flow Beats had told me that. No doubt, no doubt. Now let's talk about your like, cause, cause from, from afar, I was looking at all this like, it was all happening at the same time. So I couldn't even pinpoint like um, when the first, uh, you, your first project as a solo artist dropped. So around when did you start writing your own songs and putting it out? And so like when I first got my beat machine, I think the most natural inkling is to just try and rap to it. So that was the dispensary tape. That was the one you were on and I reached out to everybody else. And there was two tracks on there, maybe three tracks, four tracks from where I actually rapped on. And I heard a bunch of feedback from different people. It was all like, yo, you're pretty dope. Why don't you fucking just keep it going? So then Heaven's Gate was essentially more or less uh, me just doing that. You know what I'm saying? And I reached out to like more people like I had. The homie J-Pro from King of the Dot, um, Poke Dog, he jumped on there. I met him not too long ago uh, before that and um, just different people man and you know it was a cool project looking back on it the production wasn't there um, my cadence wasn't there um, I didn't know my voice I didn't know who I was as an MC. I was just trying to just do what I thought was cool so you know I, I think it was pretty bad I removed that shit from the internet but looking back on what how I was able to accomplish it and get people to rally behind it at the time it, you know it was a dope accomplishment so the dispensary mixtape came out first and then they have the game mixtape yep and then the, the MF Doom joint that we did was on the um, was on the Heaven's Gate mixtape right no it was on dispensary dispenser dispensary was pretty much all my beats and it was just me reaching out to a whole bunch of people from the 805 to get off on them you know what I'm saying down. So let's talk about your projects, Mark. Let's talk about the latest one, Back from the Top. What is your working chemistry with Poke Dog like? Because this is very, um, this a classic banging album, dog. Describe your working relationship with him. Um, so me and the homie talk, uh, Poke Dog, he sells cars too. So I pretty much got all my vehicles from Poke Dog. So we talk here and there. But uh, essentially, he congratulated me one day because I got spun uh, by DJ Premier for a song that I did. And uh, he was just congratulating me. And then I, you know, we were talking and I was all like, you know what, you want to meet up at Mae West? So we made up, 
when we met up at May West to, you know, have a have a brew or whatever, we ended up chilling about like two, three hours. And as we were leaving, he was all like, dang, man, you make a you make an old nigga wanna rap. And I was all like, man, you could come by the crib. You know, my shit is a fucked up setup right now. Cause you know, pretty much everything's fucked up on my end, like over here, as we talked about. But I was all like, you come over here and record some. And you know, that ended up happening. He came over and he wrote his verse right then and there, which I was tripping out on. And I was all like, oh, you're ready? It was like maybe 10 minutes. And then he, uh, he laid that shit. So it was on me to come up with shit. And it put me in the pressure to come up with something fast. And sometimes it's a bad thing, but like lately, I don't know. Like I said, I've been in my riding bag. Um, the pressure's good. Like I was in the studio the other day with the homies and, and you know, I came up with a verse like extra fast and it was pretty dope. But long story short, mixed it, did a quick mix, rough over real quick. And we listened to it a few times, chilled. He slid out, but before he slid out, he was all like, dang, man, you know what? We could do an album together. Yeah. And I looked at him and I was all like, nigga, we could do an album. So then uh, I had met the homie uh, Traps. He's an engineer, a dope engineer that I met out in LA. I was with the homie XP. And essentially he was having a studio session with the homie Dome Peace, Illward. Uh, XP of the Rhyme Addicts, if, if you guys don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, we have a video together, that video that you were talking about, Alfred. And I went out there to shoot it. And, you know, I met the engineer, but he was all like, hey, why don't you just chill? And the homie Ilwer was telling me, just chill. So chill, s- smoked up, um, recorded two songs, actually. And then we went out and shot, came back. That food was done mixing. We were listening to it. I got his info because I saw how fast he was working. Fast forward back to, you know, uh, me and Pope looking at each other, telling telling each other that we should do an album. I remembered him, so I hit him up. I was all like, hey, man, I want to book some time on my birthday. That was March 2nd. So uh, essentially, before Pope left, too, we had picked out some beats. Like, I had some dope producers from Japan, um, Germany, um, Canada, different places send me beats. So I picked out some beats. Uh, sent them to, to Poke, and then I set up that appointment for the studio. That was March 2nd. Um, that first day was dope. I think we knocked out, like, five songs. And then uh, I booked two more sessions um, in the month. And uh, after those sessions, the project was done. So Nice. And I see you working. I see you steady working through the pandemic. You drop haikus, lighting trees, and some bad It's actually haikus from Pluto, but I don't know why um, my digital uh, DSP like cut it off. But yeah. Oh, where up? Where up? Haikus from Pluto. Um, what inspired you to title that haikus from Pluto? Um, haikus from Pluto is essentially like I've always. Like, I'm a big nerd when it comes to astronomy. Like, I'm super yeah. into that shit, right? Um, Pluto ain't a planet no more, but I feel like that's the one of the furthest things out that we knew of. So, essentially, uh, haikus from Pluto is like saying, you know, poems from the underground, from the place that doesn't get a lot of light. So, if you listen to that whole project, it's not really a lot of drums on shit. Yeah. It's just, you know, um, drumless shit. And that was at the time when it was... Um, having a little return i feel like now it's kind of played out because people do it too much but at the time you know like i was all 
I need a project like this where it's just kind of like loops and you know there's some sub in it but it's really just loops and shit so that's what that was about it's more or less just like poetry kind of like open mic uh free a spoken word type feel you know dope and they really love the concept album lighting trees from the introduction um i love that song santa never came he was poor i i I felt that dude um what inspired you to make lighting trees um i told jeffy this like during that whole year you know i was just dropping different projects different singles a lot of videos and i told jeffy like hey man jeffy obvious by the way that's that's my boy that's my my booking man that's just one of one of my good friends but i told him that i really wanted to do a christmas project just because but i didn't want to do it like like you see most people doing christmas projects where it's like they're just literally talking about christmas so um you know i mean it was like maybe december already and i hadn't had the project but Around November, I met this uh, dude named Chris B. Murray, and he's a dope ass concept artist. Like a like that's the nigga that I wish I could have been. You know what I'm saying? Somebody as talented as him. But um, I ended up commissioning uh, some art for it. That's what the cover art is, you know. And um, ended up paying you know a lot of money. Um, but that forced me to just come up with something. <laughs> so like I pretty much started uh, trying to just make beats. And, you know, I reached out to my boy, uh, Manipulator. Um, he, he's really dope. He uh, produced that track with me, Dex, and Roxy. And, you know, other ones. I think he produced The Present on there. Yeah. And I reached out to my boy, the other 40s from North Carolina. And uh, we pretty much just uh, got that shit working together. And, yeah, um, yeah it, in two weeks, we finished it. I, don't, I still don't know how, but that song that you like, Poor, yeah. it, it's 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 pretty fucking crazy because the way that we shot that or the way that uh we pretty much composed that is my girl was telling me because i had that beat for a minute but my girl was more or less telling me that that was a dope ass song and it sounded like christmasy so essentially essentially um she pretty much pushed me in the direction for that song to go because I had that song for so long I couldn't figure out what to do with it but like I told you that's one of my favorite beats that I've ever done so being able to put that verse on there if you listen to it it's just a motivation track it's not really about being poor it's about overcoming everything because some people get everything when they're young right but they may not have the same ambition or drive as people like us that don't have anything that's what I like to tell people at the concerts when I perform it Man, I fuck with that joint. Um, you did Sun Bats North Korea, you did Time, Opioids, a good ending, painting beats. Um, out of all these projects, which one did you find yourself having the most fun in recording? Hello? no, uh, no, nah, nah, I'm still here. I'm I'm thinking, <laughs> bro. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, to be honest, it's kind of hard for me to just record. Like, I like normally, I'm doing everything. Like, it was back from the top. That was the first project that I've ever had somebody else engineer and mix. You know what I'm saying? Um, I pretty much record all my shit. So it's stressful, bro. Because yeah. I'm recording. I'm listening over and over again. I think too hard, too. So a lot of times, I'll end up just playing the shit out and shit ain't fun no more. Like, a lot of yeah. times. It's fun when the project is done. But from what I can remember, 
they all have their points when they're fun like um opioids that was like a two-year project it was a transition uh pretty much from uh from time you know um there was a lot of shit that i i felt i was growing at the time um you know i just feel like time is limited that's why i named the project that um but i feel like that's you know one of the weaker projects on my on my recent catalog everything after opioids i feel is like just dope and, and different new and fresh but probably like haikus i would think because i did that in two weeks too like that project didn't exist yeah. two weeks before it came out so which songs from your catalog do you find yourself having fun performing and you got a you got a sick catalog like which one do you enjoy performing which album um, there's a song off of time called Satan Sonata. I would always open up with that. And it would, it's a Juan Gabriel. He's like a Spanish artist. And uh, people always trip out because I, I wouldn't have people introduce me. I would just have them play the sample. And then it just drops into the beat and the beat's just raw. So I, I always love doing that because every time people's face would, 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 would just uh, light up and it would be dope, you know what I mean? But I also like, um, I like performing poor, you know what I mean? It's more on the slow, it's more on the slow side, but when people hear what I'm saying, they always have smiles on their faces. So I could honestly say that's one of the better songs that I have. Um, other songs are hit and miss, bro, believe it or not. You know what I mean? Maybe it's my energy, maybe it's how I'm performing it. Um, but, those are my two like top favorites. I know I have like some faster joints that people like that they tell me they like, but to be honest, um, I just I really like those two the best. Nice. Let's talk about DMT. Um, you've had the music group in a while. You've been really putting it out on a, in a good, good fast peak rate as an independent label. Um, <laughs> who are some of the artists like you're you're working with and, and um, nurturing and developing? Yo, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I know you've had DMT for for a minute now, just dropping independent projects under your own imprint. Um, who are some of the artists that you're really working with and developing the sound and just just stamping? You know what I'm saying? Under your uh, music group. Um. Well, if you want to take it back, this is crazy, man. I've gotten like three phone calls since I've been on the phone with you. Now people want to call me. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's just it's just funny. Like I got a call from Canada. I got a call from seven oh seven. I don't even know where that's from. I got a call from from eight oh eight. It's like okay, good, good. Yeah, I know. Um, all right. So, what was your question again? My my fault, bro. <laughs> it's all good, fam. So I know you had um, you got an independent label, your own imprint. It's called DMT, the Money Tree, and. For as long as I've known you, you've been putting out projects under this imprint. So I was wondering, who are some of the artists that you're working with and developing their sound under your under your label? So pretty much, um, it, it's crazy because DMT first started off is you know my homie Houdini, right? Yeah. What up, Houdini? Yep. Yep. So it started off as Dean and Mark tracks. We were a producer group, no rapping, no nothing. And, uh, you know, from there, I think maybe a year into it, um, Xlo, the homie Xlo got brought into the fray. And then he came up with a with a little uh, acronym called 
uh, determination, motivation, and trust. We ran with that for a little bit. But um, we got the name DMT because we watched this uh, documentary with Joe Rogan called The Spirit Molecule. And it was about DMT, the drug, dimethyltryptamine. And we were just tripping out on that. So came up with DMT for Dean and Mark tracks. But as time went on and, you know, I got into 2020, I felt like I had grown. I felt like a lot of shit of the past had changed. Um, I came up with a, another acronym called the money tree, which is what we rocking with now. And, um, you know, we got the homie uh, DJ Manipulator. Um, he's a dope DJ. He's a dope beat maker. We got the homie Ford, the other Ford from North Carolina. He's dope uh, beat maker, really dope. Uh, he raps too. Um, we got the homie It's X Music, who's really talented. He's a 2014 winner of the Team Backpacks series. They were pushing him for a little bit. Um, we got the Crooked One. Uh, we got my boy Jay Renzo. Uh, Houdini, of course, and you know, um, other little people play their part too. But for the most part, that's that's what we got going on right now. Nice. I know you got a tour coming up with Prashan and the Roxy and Pope Dog. Um, are you excited for that? How you feeling about the tour coming up? Oh, uh, you know, uh, looking forward to it. But you know, it's just uh, it's more work, man. Like I tell a lot of people all the time, like be careful what you ask for. Cause you know you gotta really put in the work, and it's not all fun and games, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At least, at least for me, me being a little bit older, like I take this shit serious. This is my life. I got people to provide for, so you gotta make sure the business is right first. Gotta make sure that everything is the way it should be. And you know, for the most part, I'm excited. But you know, like I said, it's just a lot of different things going on. So see how it goes. No doubt, no doubt. What, like, um, what artists are you listening to now in 2022 that's keeping you inspired, Mark? Whether it's a, as a lyricist or as a producer, who's keeping um, you inspired? Um, <laughs> as a producer, like, um, Knotts is, is like my favorite producer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Madlib, of course. Um, Alchemist is really like. I wasn't the biggest Alchemist fan before, but now, like, he's really proven himself. Um, Hip Boy, too. Hip, I mean, I've always been a Hip Boy fan, but, like, since he did those projects with Nas and actually giving Nas good production, it's dope. Boy Wonder, uh, that motherfucker can't miss. Um, If we're talking about artists, um... It, it's it's always like really sci high to Prince. Like I'm a big fan of him. Big fan of uh, 38 Spesh, Conway, uh, um, Planet Asia. That's probably like one of my my goats, to be honest. Um, it's disrespectful to even like do like top fives though. So if I don't mention somebody, like I'm really inspired by everybody. But nice. there's an artist from Vegas. His name is Euros. He's really dope. I've been listening to him. He just dropped a deluxe project. Um, shit, X. X is really dope. My homie, it's X music. Like that motherfucker. Just yesterday, I was thinking I laid a cold-ass verse for some shit. And then he just got on there. And then I just forgot I even had a verse on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I feel like still sharp and still. So, you know, you just got to be... 
on point with your shit and keep grinding at it. But yeah, those are the people that right now that I listen to that I really fuck with. Mm-hmm. Um, for the youth out there, um, for all the youth that's trying to get into the music business, let's start with let's start with videography first. What would be your advice for up and coming music video directors on on, on the internet? Don't do it. Nah. <laughs> nah. Yeah. I, I'm going I'm to I'm be honest. Um, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> actually, actually love what you're doing. Yeah. And, and I know that's a cliche, but you really need to love what you're doing. Because if you don't love it, you're going to end up exploiting it. And then you're going to burn bridges and you're going to end up hating it. And... That's not what it is, man. Everything you do in life, it it could be based off of money, but like you gotta love it, man. Or yeah. else or else you're you're really raping it. That's why I said yeah. don't do it. Same with <laughs> like rap. There's so many rappers that rap that that don't give a fuck about rap. And I even feel, I even feel, I even feel like I'm part of that stigma because I don't listen to a lot of rap per se. And yeah. and the culture of rap now isn't the culture when I when I first started. Yes. It's it's totally different, and it makes it it makes me not fuck with it at all. But actually chilling with people like my homie X, um, different people when I'm in the studio, um, it brings that feeling back, you know, where we're all yeah. encouraging each other and just chilling out, smoking. So it's cool, but you know, you really gotta love what you're doing. If you love the new age rap, which I feel like the new style right now. Or not even the new style, but the style that's popping and, and going hard right now is probably like drill. Yeah. You know, if you really love that shit, you know, that's cool. But I feel like the overall message in drill isn't even about bars, isn't even about coming off. It's about actually doing shit on the street. So I feel like you're setting yourself up for your own destruction because I feel like music should be an escape from that. But yeah. I think the lines are really blur- blurred. Um, with today's rappers nowadays, but to answer your yeah, but to answer your question, you know, for rappers, uh, don't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, on the production tip, on the production tip, what would be your advice for upcoming producers trying to get their beats out there, trying to get some exposure through beats? What would be your advice? Um, for- I would say first off, don't put yourself in a box meaning like you could have a style that you really like but force yourself to get out there and experience different music that you wouldn't normally listen to like i remember before i was just super underground raw boom bat type shit and i could have stayed stuck in that box and it scares me even to this day thinking about it you know because I, i i do everything now but the fact is like one time i went out with my boy dean and a whole bunch of different people we were in LA and I was seeing what the music was doing to people and how people were vibing and I let go and I enjoyed myself that night and I understood it Yeah, you know what I'm saying so like I could understand drill music I could understand if, if it's dope it's dope to me right yeah. so pretty much don't put yourself in a box you want to make sure your business is right after you know your sound is right. So it's sad to say, man, it's probably going to take you, unless you're like a musician and you just know how to piece it together or you're a natural, 
probably gonna take you like seven, eight years before you should really even think about the business like that, you know? Because you could be putting shit up and it's like whatever and then I don't know, you could put you could burn your name out. Like I feel like myself in general, because I did so many things early on, like that around Heaven's Gate when we met, I shouldn't have been out there like that. And I know you're saying that's crazy. But looking back, I burned myself out and first impressions are a motherfucker. So you 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 kind of put a stain or a distaste into everybody's mouth if you come off not as hard as you could be later on. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. Now, I know you were joking when you said rappers don't do it, but for reals though, for like lyricists out there and songwriters trying to get into business, trying to, especially for the youth, what can you say for words of guidance for them? Uh, in, in what in what in what regards? Um, as far as recording artists and songwriters, as far as like, um, what would be your top three do's and don'ts uh, in the music business? If you were gonna don't be emotional. Yeah. Don't don't take anything to heart, man. Like, um, there's days every pretty much every day where I just want to just say fuck it. But it's because I'm taking shit to heart, man. Nobody mm-hmm. owes you shit. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Even mm-hmm. if you've done a thousand things for them, nobody owes you a goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. And that's not just in hip-hop. That's in life. So that's rule number one. Rule number two is don't put yourself inside a box because you might have one style, but you don't want to do this and that. You don't want to grow. Growth is good, man, because once you grow, you may look at it as weird now, but that may bring you peace later on. Um, I think that's a good thing. So growth, um, don't put yourself in a box. The third one, I mean, there's so many different things. It's almost like putting the top five MC list. It's so disrespectful. Um, uh, Just stay focused, I guess. I, I, I guess. I guess work, work and stay focused. Because at the end of the day, you could sit and just contemplate about what you could do to make this better and better and then not drop shit at all. At the end of the day, just keep dropping, man. It's work. You know, when you when you feel that you're at a point where your shit is dope, and I say you really need to get haters in your life. And what I mean by this is you need to get people that aren't yes men. You need to get people that aren't suck, sucking your dick. And telling yeah. you, yeah, that shit's tight and that shit's trash. When yeah. you get niggas that would normally be your haters and they're saying, hey, and they don't even want to tell you, but they're like, that shit, that shit was pretty hard, dog. Yeah. That's when you should start dropping music and that's when you should just work and trust your gut because your gut is going to be different than what the masses is. But the masses is the masses, bro. They get swayed by anything. You know, like a lot of the industry, the reason it's even like that is because of money. It's because of money, advertisement. People go to college to brainwash you. So don't let that fool you. Do what you fuck with. Trust your gut and just work and stay focused. Man, these are all facts. And part of like not being emotional is like, um, be prepared for anyone in the music industry to switch up on you. Prepared for people to do you wrong. It will happen. You gotta learn how to take the hits. And that's part of uh, just putting in years behind this business. You're gonna, you guys are gonna learn that, kids. You know. That's um, another reason I tell people not to rap, man. Like so many different people I met along the way, 
Yeah. It's all like, yeah, I'm starting to rap. I'm doing this. I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> get yeah. a job, go to school, learn a trade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, telling someone the other day, there's, there's no music 101 course to take to learn this. Unfortunately, you just have to go through it. And that's how you learn on the job, on the spot. But um, it's different for everybody too. That's the hardest part about it. And you're gonna get hurt, man, but you you can't reflect that. And like, I should say that the thing that's tied for third, besides stay focused and work, is your mental health. Your mental health above everything. So, you know, this is a, a opinion-based sport. This mm-hmm. is something where you're relying on the opinions of others. So if you don't get a lot of support, before I would let it really bug me out you know it would motivate me for a little bit to do more work that's why i have the work ethic that i have but as i'm getting older and you know i have a family different things and i'm getting being depressed about motherfuckers not even catching on to the music yet it's cool because going back to what i was saying before when i'm just not there even though i feel i'm dope now maybe i'm gonna be crazy as fuck later on and that's when people catch on but now I have this whole catalog. But mm-hmm. at the same time, what I'm saying is, fuck everything else is about your mental health. So if you feel that something is off or you're just not feeling it because you know, you're know you doing it for other people, then you're doing it wrong. Because at the end of the day, you shouldn't be relying on this for income. Like even Nipsey said it, he's all like, get you some money, then do this. You'll feel a little bit different. And it's mm-hmm. true, man, however you get your income, I would say, unless you're signed to a, a label and they s- set up some tours with you so you can make revenue off of that and merch or whatever, or you're doing that shit independently at a high level, then don't even worry about that, man. What you need to do is just be in a creative space. So if getting in that creative space is smoking some weed and turning off social media for a little bit and not pushing out your, your album or, or constantly promote it, maybe you need to do that. You know what I'm saying? Straight up. Um, what are some of the things you're learning about yourself in this role of fatherhood? What are you learning about yourself as, as, as this life goes on and the kids are getting older? Like, I'm probably, I'm, to be honest, I'm probably just not a good father. <laughs> Like I'm here, I'm I'm here for the kids, but it's like it's this is like hip hop, bro. You can't expect to know the ins and outs because what's gonna work for somebody ain't gonna work for somebody else. You know, like somebody could have calm kids and be like, "Oh, you don't need to hit your kids. You don't need to yell at your kids." It's all like, nah, maybe maybe you do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe you need to put your foot down and regulate, but you can't yeah. do that shit all the time. You can't. Um, you know, you really have to be like fatherhood is a thing where where kids only listen to you if they see that you're doing it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? My daughter, um, she's 15 and she just want to start going to the gym now out of nowhere. But it's because, you know, I've been doing this for like, what, a couple years now. She's seen me consistently doing it, waking up, getting ready. I have maybe some results on my body. So she wants to do that now you know what I'm saying so I, I, to, but to go back to your question I don't feel like I'm the best because maybe I've devoted a lot of time to this music shit and you know 
at the end of the day, besides my music, what do I got to show for it? You know, like that's why like it, it's it's hard. And I tell people, you got to really know what you're doing when you get into to, to rap, especially because I think more or less it's, it's, it's dope. It's therapy for you, but it's kind of just stroking your ego. So mm. it's like I really say if you're a rapper, it's probably better to, to suit you if you're single and you don't have any kids responsibilities like that. And if, mm-hmm. if you have kids when you're doing it, then you got to make it to where it's lucrative for you in a, in a way to where it's making you some type of money or it's putting you in a position to make money or it's putting you in a position to get to the next step of your life, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, I feel like there's a, like a bunch of mistakes that I probably made. But, you know, the kids are good and everything. It's just I'm giving you an honest answer. No doubt, no doubt. Um, the pandemic has been going on for two and a half years now. When Shit, wow, went, right? Yeah. When it first went down, I'm talking about when that first year and a half when everything was canceled, all the shows were canceled. What were some of the ways you kept yourself sane and productive? To take care of your mental health when the music industry stopped for a while. <laughs> um, it didn't. It didn't stop for me at all. 2020 was the year that I was going really hard with videos. I just got my 4K camera, so nice. I was living off of doing videos during nice. the pandemic. And a lot of people, I don't know if they had stimulus money, they had unemployment, whatever. The video work was coming in heavy, so I was working a lot. I was creating a lot. Like I did a three project, uh, four projects that year. I didn't drop all of them, but I did four projects that year. I think I did, I, I think around, I feel like July, I did a video every two weeks or something like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I stayed super productive. So 2020 was a great year in contrast to everybody else for me. I remember like we went out there um, to the homie Hazard. Um, his birthday was in Vegas. We went out there chilled out at I think the Cosmopolitan wild out in Vegas for like a week because you know that was the money I was making at the time so 2020 was great for me 2021 was great too but I noticed a, a decline as far as uh, the video work and everything yeah. so um, I, I just stay um, the way I stayed sane was just being productive man just doing what, I, what I've been doing good shit man, man so what I know we're halfway done 2022, we're more than halfway done. What are some of the short term goals besides the tour coming up that you're trying to accomplish for the rest of 2022? Um, so I got a Japanese project that's that's done, it's uh gonna be released overseas for the physical copies. Um, I'm not sure yet if we're gonna put it up on DSPs. Um, we might just put it up online you know digital version i might just put it up on youtube and shit you know um i feel like it gives an incentives for people that want to actually purchase the vinyl to be able to have digital access to it so i don't know we'll, we'll see about that but then um that's 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 pretty much we're just waiting on on the proper release date because you know the vinyl's got to get pressed up but then there's a, a summer project that I'm working on right now that's going to come out hopefully uh, by the end of next month. And then I got a project that I'm working on with with uh, the homie DJ Manipulator, um, as well as the homie uh, Ford from North Carolina. 
Um, those are going to be two separate vinyls, but they're probably going to end up coming out next year just because of how everything is working as far as, um, you know, the vinyls right now, like Walmart and shit, they're pressing up different vinyls and repressing them for like, you know, like Michael Jackson and different shit. So their large orders are taking priority over like smaller artists like us. Like if you have somebody giving you 30 grand off rips compared to somebody giving you like a thousand, what do you think is going to be priority? You know what I'm saying? So that's slowing down production right now as far as like uh, vinyls and shit. But um, I still need to finish those tracks this year. So that's what I'm working on right now. Um, I I, kind of wanted to do a follow-up to the Christmas album, like Lighting Trees too, but I don't know if I'm going to do it this year just because... But um, I got a, I got another project that I might be working on with the homie Graphwise from Canada. He's really dope. He's got dope beats. And um, I'm not sure if this is going to be a group album yet because uh, we got a couple of different joints that are like posse cuts. But um, yeah, that's what I got so far. Um, and then, you know, just peace of mind, man. Like I, I used to pray for like success, this and that. But now um, I'm not super religious, but what I do pray, I kind of just pray for happiness and peace, peace of mind. Love it. Last but not the least, before I let you go, um, one of the biggest moments in, in 805 Oxnard Hip Hop that happened this year is um, when Anderson Kraft was playing the drums right behind Eminem in the Super Bowl. Um, I I feel like besides the groundwork that Stone Scroll Records did and the translation that came after that, then the rise of Anderson Kraft What's the future of Oxnard hip-hop for Where do you think this is going within the next five years or so? Like I said, man, Oxnard got nothing but stars, bro. Like like the homie Julian, he works with ESPN. The homie, uh, the homie Jerry, he's a director for CNN. Anderson mm-hmm. Pack, uh, multiple sports stars. You know, um, I just feel like people are saying what could be done from their city. You know, connections are there, you know, to link people to higher places. So it's really just up to the individual, whatever they want to do, they could reach it. Because I never really would have known that Brandon, that's Anderson Pack, would have been as big as he is, man. Like, I thought he was going to be on, when I saw him get on uh, Aftermath, I just thought he was going to be like, you know, an Aftermath artist. But then this nigga did a project with fucking Bruno Mars, nigga playing in the Super Bowl. This nigga got mad different sponsors. This nigga got his own shoe. <laughs> yup. And it's 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 been a great year. It's been a great year, man. Um, any other words of encouragement out there for our peoples out there, Mark? I know it's been a crazy year for the country. There's a lot of issues going on. Uh, what's what's words of encouragement for us fellow Americans out there? Um. Oh, I, I really, I really got it. Check this out, man. Um, there's a lot of things that we could do here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I say the best thing to do for mental health mm-hmm. is not rap. Stop that <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Like we crowded over here. It's, it's oversaturated. Leave it to the MCs that's still here, and uh, you know, figure it out. Nah, but really, like if you wanna, if you wanna. Co- pursue this shit just know that it's gonna come with a lot of heartbreak like i remember there's been like three people that i told like yo this shit ain't easy 
And they look at me like I'm the old nigga when I don't even feel like the old nigga, but they look at me like I'm the old nigga. They're like, yeah, whatever. I'll see them in six months. They're down and broken. Like, why don't anybody like me, man? Like Fresh Prince in that episode, remember? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just fucking crazy, bro. But it's like, you really gotta have, you gotta, you gotta wear your heart on your sleeve, but you can't let it get affected by the lacerations that people are gonna give you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Man, well spoken, man. Damn, that's real shit. The last, did you guys hear that? The lacerations, you will get cut. You're gonna, you're gonna bleed your heart out for this game if you let it, you know? You will bleed your heart out and the game don't give a fuck. And, yeah. and you gotta talk, you gotta chalk it up to the game, man. You can't like hold animosity towards anybody. Granted, if somebody disrespect you in a way, you could do that. But like, what you're gonna end up doing is creating unnecessary drama. Um, certain beasts, like especially in this music, because when you break it down to the artists that are doing everything, everybody know each other kind of, or know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. So you're gonna end up burning a bridge. You could end up fucking around and blackballing yourself from some shit. You could end up just blocking your blessings in general. Yeah. Keep a cool, keep a cool head. Um, if you're gonna talk about anybody, make sure that you know them good. And it's your circle, and just keep it pushing, man. Push out positive energy. Energy. That's all I try and do right now is push out positive energy. And you know, I'm just talking to the game. You know what I mean? Yo, Mike. Thank you so much for joining me today for the podcast. I appreciate you, bro. Uh, man, um, nothing but health and prosperous success for the rest of the year for you. And thank you so much for doing this. Oh, no worries, man. I appreciate you even uh, reaching out, um, noticing. That's just dope. Um, love you, bro. Love you, man. Thank you so much. Andy Podcast, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Yo, Mark, I'm going to hit you on the text right now, all right? All right, no worries. Peace. You're looking out. Thank you. Peace, peace.